the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height today filling in for Mr. Ed Martin while he is out on assignment. And I am glad to be here with you on this wonderful day. Uh, we've got uh, the New Hampshire primaries finally over. A lot of rumblings coming out of the state of Arizona, not about the presidential race, but about the upcoming Senate race there with Kerry Lake and some news surrounding it and a host of other things that we're going to talk about today, including some great guests. So I'm glad you're here with me. Glad we're going to do this uh, together. Good show. Uh, but before we do, let me remind you, go over to ProAmericaReport.com. There you can find Ed's Substack. Keep up with what he's writing. Lots happening there. And sign up for that to subscribe. Make sure you get notified. Also, go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. PhyllisSchlafly.com will provide you with the Pro America Report radio program archives. There you'll get all the podcasts, the standalones. If we've talked about something and there was a link, something we went to social media with, it will be there as well. You will not regret it. Go sign up. ProAmericaReport.com. PhyllisSchlafly.com. Also there at PhyllisSchlafly.com. Com is where you get plugged in to the daily wink email every morning. It comes to your inbox at 8 a.m. East Coast time, 7 a.m. Central, and all the other time zones cascading downward. You will find it there first thing in the morning, nice and short and sweet, gives you a start to your day and lets you know a few things that you need to know about and some key links. It is great. So go sign up there at phyllislafley.com. But we've got a lot to dive into today. Uh, we've got a good show uh, ahead with guests. But before we get there, there's a couple of big things that we need to cover. First of all, as you may have been watching, the New Hampshire primary took place yesterday, and Donald Trump essentially destroyed Nikki Haley. Not only destroyed Nikki Haley, that that's, you know sounds like, pardon me while I kind of run into some of the standard uh, clickbaity style headlines you hear, but here's the reality of what happened. Donald Trump didn't just handily win the New Hampshire primary. Donald Trump broke records in the amount of votes received and turned out, et cetera, and so on. It really is pretty incredible, and when we add in a couple of things that I want you to know about here, it becomes even more interesting. So, just to to recap this shortly, just quickly, because I do really want to dive into a different topic, the actual wink uh, for today. Let me go ahead and tell you, it's not just uh, what happened. The, the actual vote totals here are pretty astounding. Um, at this point, if, if we've got, what, 99% in? I'm, I'm 97. 97% counted. Uh, 97% counted in the New Hampshire primary. Donald Trump, 54.4%, 173,000 votes and change. And then Nikki Haley with 138,000 votes, 43% uh, and change. So here's, here's the big news. There are a lot of things at play here. One of the first things to note, Donald Trump 
shattered the last record of most votes ever received in the New Hampshire presidential primary. That was held by Bernie Sanders in 2016 with a record of 152,000 votes in 193. That is the most, until now, that is the most votes anyone has ever received in the New Hampshire presidential primary, and that 152,000 plus that Bernie Sanders received in 16 has now been shattered by Donald Trump's 173,155. That's big. There are a ton of people who turned out for Trump. A ton of people for Trump. But the other part of this story is who turned out against Trump. We started seeing videos pop up, especially from the last few days. Lots of Democratic voters, lots of um, Joe Biden supporters that were coming to the Nikki Haley events that were somehow slipping into the videos, which I know probably the mainstream didn't want, uh, slipping into the videos talking about, how, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Joe Biden supporter. I don't really think I agree with Nikki Haley's platform, but I'm here to check her out and I might be voting for her on Tuesday. And sure enough. The evidence does show that the open primaries in New Hampshire, which I'm not speaking for or against open primaries, that's a whole big conversation to have in and of itself. The open primaries and the fact that Joe Biden is essentially unchallenged in the Democratic primary process this year lent itself to many Democrats being able to hop over and vote for Nikki Haley, as they apparently did. Here, just there's there's lots of you know little bits of evidence here and there, but let me tell you one one that happened in Hanover, Hanover, New Hampshire, uh, which is a very liberal area of New Hampshire, which is a very moderate state. Uh, Hanover, New Hampshire, in 2020, in the general election, the big election, when everyone really comes out and shows up, even if they're not, you know, there for the more, uh, the smaller primaries and the smaller local elections, the 2020 general election in Hanover, New Hampshire, had just 841 Republican votes. Last night, Nikki Haley received over 1,400 votes from the town that had only 841 Republican votes in the entire general election in 2020. Democrat interference in the primary. We can easily call it that. As you look down the list, this is just one. There are places over and over where you see this. And also, even, you know, God bless their hearts, CNN. Uh, they're not good for much, but the, the exit polling is very interesting. And the exit polling last night showed that, uh, of you know, in New Hampshire, you, you don't have to declare as a, you know, registered as a part of one of the parties. So 70% of the folks who, in the CNN exit poll, again, take it for what it's worth, 70% of the folks said that they were registered or so 70 percent of the folks were registered republicans 27 percent were unregistered voters not not affiliated with a party and three percent were registered that same day as republicans i assume but i guess it could be i, I yeah it would be republicans but still 70 30 70 percent were registered republicans 30 percent were not nikki haley's numbers were exactly opposite 70 percent of her voters were not registered as republicans in new hampshire only 27 percent were registered as republicans so even if you say fine what if potentially three quarters of Nikki Haley's 138,000 votes. Three quarters of them were Democrats coming over. First of all, that tells you that Nikki Haley's campaign is over at this point. She has no more support. She can't go on. She should probably get out before she gets embarrassed in her home state of South Carolina. But more importantly, this tells us that tons of Democrats voted last night. Uh, they, they showed up and voted for Nikki Haley. We actually ended up having a little bit of a mini general election and Donald Trump won. That's a big deal. 
That is a very big deal. When you add that on top of historic numbers of people who came out to support this supposedly most controversial president who no one likes and yet is getting historic record levels of votes and beating uh, Democrats and Republicans alike in many general assembly, in, uh, many general elections. And, and again, make no mistake, there's a lot more numbers to apply to it here. This is anecdotal. But enough anecdotes leads up to a little bit of a scientific response. That's where we're looking at right now. Again, and I, I keep saying this, I think it's very important. Absent fraud, which is a big but, absent fraud, Donald Trump wins in a landslide. This is huge. Huge record numbers coming in. This is big. Uh, so that, that's my short take on New Hampshire. And we'll probably talk. I'm sure Ed has something he'd like to say about it. There's going to be more that we'll talk about this week, I imagine. But let me let me go to what I think is a, a bigger piece of news that came out today that's really tied into this. this. This reason why people are supporting Donald Trump in places like New Hampshire. You can't claim this is the Bible Belt, the social issues folks propping up Trump. No, these are moderate voters in New Hampshire who really don't care much for social issues. They're in for other things. This crowd is on board with Donald Trump because he is the candidate that represents the biggest threat, the biggest fight against the deep state. And here, here's what you need to know. And, and this comes down. This is where we're going to get to Arizona. Here's, here's what you need to know. What you need to know is the deep state is real. Don't let anyone convince you otherwise. Don't let them tell you that it's just a conspiracy. This big administrative state, the permanent state, the permanent government, uh, government, the bureaucratic government, whatever name we want to give to it. People are often there to say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's a little bit conspiratorial. No, it's there. And some people are just not very artful at it and they get caught. And that's what has happened to the very poor uh, former, I should say, to the very poor former uh, head of the Republican Party in uh, Arizona. He tried to bribe Carrie Lake and Carrie Lake got it on audio and it got leaked. And now we've got the audio of the guy trying to bribe her to get out of politics. It's, it's absolutely incredible trying to literally bribe her on behalf of big money people out East quote unquote, he says that want her out of politics. And she, she, it's, it's just, a, it's a fascinating conversation. I'm going to link to this. It's all over. Benny Johnson's got the full five minute video on Twitter uh, or on X. That's probably the place that we'll link to here. But there are lots of places you can go. I think the Daily Mail has this. Oh my gosh, the deep state is real. If 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 no one believes that this happens, let alone at the big levels of politics, here is the Republican Party, the head of the Republican Party in Arizona, sitting down with the major contender who ran for governor and is now running for Senate in Arizona, telling her there are big people. And she asks who? Oh, who doesn't matter? It's what? What they want to give you, he says. They want you to, to just leave it alone, to just walk it away. I mean, we're left to act like people are literally ready to shell out money and bribes to keep those people out of politics who speak the truth. That's where we are. The deep state is real. And this is happening all over. We can try to connect the dots. But sometimes, like I said, it's just almost like this guy had listened to The Godfather too many times because some of the phrasings he used just made me laugh. It's, it's almost laughable if it weren't so sad. Here he is trying to bribe one of the biggest political figures in America outside of Trump into getting out of the race because we need you. And she says, what is this, is this about control? And he says, no, no, it's not about control. It's about being on the team. <laughs> <laughs> about being on, oh man i'm sorry it is just it's 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 hysterical to listen to but when this stuff gets le- uh, released when it gets leaked 
We get an inside look. Thank you to Carrie Lake for releasing this tape. The deep state is real. They are trying to shove their thumbs, their entire fists down on the scales of the American elections. And you know about it. And I know about it. And if their enemy number one is people uh, are people like Donald Trump and Carrie Lake, let's put them in office now. That's what I think we saw in New Hampshire's results yesterday. That's what we're going to see moving forward. And that's what you need to understand. The deep state is real. That's what you need to know. Don't let anyone tell you it's a conspiracy. It's not. Uh, so we're going to end it there. We'll move on. We've got some great guests. Come on back on the other side of the break. ProAmericaReport.com, PhyllisSchlafly.com. Sign up. Be right back here. We will keep going on the Pro America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is a new friend of mine in the last, I don't know, five or six months. Uh, Paul Ingrassio is a an attorney, a recent at- attorney, a passable bar up in New York, and he is a, a Cornell Law School grad, which is an impressive uh, place to go through, and also Fordham University, which is uh, from those of my uh, friends that know lots of uh, Jesuit schools like Fordham and my alma mater, Holy Cross, and others. So, uh, But Paul Ingrassio has really gotten a lot of attention in the last six months, I'd say, for writing very well on a Substack, and uh, you may see him if you go over to Truth Social. Uh, Donald Trump on his Truth Social network will oftentimes post uh, and retruth Paul Ingrassio's writing. So, in fact, Paul Ingrassio right now is up in New Hampshire. Welcome to the program, Paul. How are you? Thank you, Ed. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm doing really well. Um, you know, a lot of momentum behind the 45th and soon to be 47th president up here, and. Um, you know, it's great to be, uh, you know, on the ground, seeing the support and uh, talking to you today. Well, and Paul, I know that you have, um, you know, when you're going through law school and sat of law school, you've practiced a little bit with a law firm uh, and you've been but you've been uh, I want to ask you first about your writing. Um, you write on Substack. Most good lawyers are good writers. That, that has to happen. Were you a writer before you got to law school? Is it something you started doing in law school? Because you really have uh, have a, an ability for it, a knack for it. Um, is that something that you worked on? And did you? Uh, what made you start doing a Substack? Well, I thank you very much for that, Ed. Um, I appreciate the compliment. I think I've always been a writer. Part of that is probably the reason why I went to law school in the first place. I've been writing for years now. I actually wrote um, you know, during college when I was in, at Fordham for their political review journal for their newspaper, I, I've, I've been writing my whole life. And obviously, politics and Donald Trump has been front and center of that over the past couple of years. And prior to uh, going to Cornell, I uh, worked for a number of publications. I was published in National Review, Daily Caller, American Greatness, American Mind, a few others. And, um, you know, that was just something that I kept up consistently. Um, you know, I had to put it a little bit on the back burner during law school, as you well are aware of how, how um, you know, how exhaustive and that, how much uh, the work you get during law school. So you can't write as much. But now that um, all that has passed me, I, I began writing again. And no better place than Substack, which, um, you know, you can consolidate all your writings onto a single website. Basically, it's your own web page or a blog. And you don't have to worry about, you know, getting rejected by this magazine or th- that publication. Um, you know, even a lot of conservative publications I found, especially in 2020, 2021, um, in the lead up to that presidential election and, and in the aftermath of uh, January 6th, um, a lot of my, you know, more passionate pro-Trump writings um, were even being rejected by publications that 
uh, claimed to be conservative at the time. So um, that's why I, I, I started writing on Substack. I sometimes cross public uh, cross publish my writings on other websites such as the Gateway Pundit. I've been uh, actually actively collaborating with them quite a bit of late. But you know, Substack is a way for you to have full control over your writings, and then over time you begin to um, acquire a number of uh, subscribers to your uh, newsletter, which I have. Uh, and, and, and a lot of that is thanks to President Trump, who, as you said earlier in the show, um, posts my articles quite frequently on his true social page, which is a blessing. Paul, 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 Paul remind, uh, re- remind me and then therefore our listeners, what is your Substack? What's the name of it so people find it? So it's, yeah, I don't want to ramble on too well. It's paulingracia.substack.com. And, okay. you know, I write about politics, legal commentary, so on and so forth. So that's kind of yeah. a, a little short story of how I got into it. Yeah. All right. Now, I want to ask you before we I will, I will finish by asking you about the uh, election. I know you're actually at the Trump headquarters right now in, uh, in New Hampshire, but yeah. I want to I want to ask you first about uh, due process. I, I have been asking a lot of right. my uh, commentators who are either lawyers or have an experience in this period of lawfare. You know, Catherine Engelbrecht, who has been, uh, you know, uh, almost unceasingly attacked in court. Um, you know, people uh, Roger Stone is going to be on soon to talk about the same topic. When you think about your studies, you're going through law school the last three years. You're watching what's happening to the president, to President Trump, but also to guys like Flynn and to uh, to our friend Jeff Clark. How do you react? I, you know, you're a, you're a young, shiny, brand new lawyer who came into this, I think, because you believe in America. What's your thoughts right. and, and how does due process fit into that? Well, the law of the land is supposed to be the Constitution. I mean, that's the bedrock for our constitutional republic. Um, and that's been replaced over time by this unwritten Constitution, as we call it, by the left. Uh, this is what they when they, whenever they refer to our democracy, they're referring to this new constitution that's been promulgated by unelected bureaucrats, by judges um, over the past, you know, many decades. It's been decades in the work. So I I see this presidential election basically as a competition of two uh, constitutions. We have the written formal official constitution, the one that President Trump um, represents and exalts. And then we have the counterfeit that represents sort of what we're seeing now with the political prosecution of President Trump and so many of his supporters and allies, people like John Eastman, people like Jeff Clark, and of course the January 6th defendants. Um, and that threatens, you know, that threatens our, the entire foundation of what it means to be an American, our, all our liberties, all our freedoms, and so on and so forth. So those are the stakes of this presidential election. In law school, you talk a lot, of, you know, the focus in terms of constitutional law courses is, is um, much of it is based on equal protection and due process. Although the way, of course, that it's presented in law school, and especially at an Ivy League school, law school, is there's quite a bit of focus and emphasis on substantive, or what is called substantive due process, which, you know, has, has been basically licensed to uh, – uh, allow every everything under the sun from contraception to abortion rights to gay marriage, sort of all everything that, you know, the conservative movement, traditionally speaking, is against. But then there's another type of due process that is less talked about that we see 
um, is in is in great violation and great danger now um, with these political prosecutions of Donald Trump. And that's procedural due process. That's your right to an attorney. That's your right to a fair trial. That's your right to a speedy trial. That's your right to, you know, an impartial judge and an impartial jury and a proper venue. All these things, of course, are being run roughshod over by the left um, and by sort of this weaponized justice system. So, um, you know, that, that those are the stakes. And that's, that's kind of how I think of due process and parse it out um, based on, you know, you know, I'm only practicing for a little over a year now and a recent law grad. But that's sort of how I see it. Um, sort of as a newly well, attorney. I, well, I, I, know, I know part of the reason you like being at Substack and then doing the writing you do is you don't have to have an assignment editor, but I, I'm going to assume the role of assignment <laughs> editor. I, 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 Paul, I, I, re- I really think you should write a Substack on uh, the the election of two constitutions, you know, and, and the, exactly what you said. One is one is the Constitution of America, which we've had for a couple hundred years. And the other is just a make believe a, a made up one that, that and if you want to make one up as you go along, if you want to paint by numbers as you go along, that's what the Biden that's what the Biden judges and the Biden Constitution is. And, and that's uh, what's at stake. So there, there's your next Substack. Write that up, uh, Paul. Now, uh, hey, before I let you go, though, uh, you're, you're on the ground in New Hampshire. Um, you got your wish. Uh, I mean, I, I, she got her wish. Uh, Nikki Haley wanted a one on one. She's got a one on one. What's it look like on the ground? Well, I've, we've made at this headquarters hundreds of thousands, thousands of calls over the past three, four days. I've, I've been up here since the, uh, Saturday, and the people, the volunteers that have been doing this who live in the state of New Hampshire have been on the ground for uh, weeks. And it seems like, you know, of the thousands of calls I made, virtually everyone is pro-Donald Trump. I mean, there was a handful, I probably could count on one hand how many Nikki Haley callers there were. Um, the ground game is great for Donald Trump. Um, everyone's in a good mood. You know, his, his son was there yesterday, Don Jr. Jason Miller was there. Trump himself visited our headquarters and has hosted three or four rallies, five rallies maybe over the past uh, couple of days. So, um, you know, it seems like New Hampshire is very sol- solidly in Trump's corner. It's just a matter of how what percentage he wins by. Will it be 15 percent? Will it be 20? Will it be perhaps even 30 percent or higher? over Nikki Haley. I think a lot of people are seeing that Nikki Haley is a wolf in sheep's clothing, so to speak, although I think people, she's exposed herself by this point as a warmonger, as an establishment uh, Republican, and someone who's basically relying on the Democrat uh, voters who are now, um, you know, changed over and switched over to being independent for the purposes of this primary only. So, but I think, you know, after this this race, I think it's pretty much over. He's the presumptive nominee, and we're just hoping for um, a very strong victory today. And I think we're going to get right. one. Okay. Hey, Paul and Gracia, thank you for being on the show, and thank you for all you're doing, and uh, been wonderful. Again, it's uh, Paul Ingracia.substack.com. Yeah. Check it out there. I got to run to a break. I'll get in trouble with my producers. Uh, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro, Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. 
quarterback Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Our next guest is Tim Hale. Tim Hale, I hadn't met Tim Hale until about two weeks ago, but I'd known Tim Hale for almost two and a half years, I think. Uh, Tim Hale is a nephew of Cynthia Hughes, who has been on this program many times, uh, and she and her husband, Sean, have been so uh, inspirational and uh, and so instrumental. Patriot Freedom Project is the organization that Cynthia founded and uh, PatriotFreedomProject.com, but also just showing up uh, many times with uh, people that are in uh, the jails, uh, defendants, as well as their families need stuff, uh, need help. And uh, I remember with Tim Hale, our next guest, Tim was, uh, did some time. He was in the D.C. Gulag at one point. I went with Cynthia. I think we got, Tim, some of your stuff. And there was these journals. And I, I didn't read them because they were your journals, but I, uh, Cynthia showed them to me. And extraordinary writing and extraordinary uh, drawings and uh, and just a lot. And made me think to myself, wow, you know, we hear about people, but the men there are actually you know, living, breathing people going through things and they have uh, interests and all. And so Tim Hale's now out and has been really out in the public uh, speaking about what happened to him with January 6th. And so, Tim, welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Ed. I'm, I'm happy to be on. Thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. You know, I've been asking a lot of our guests about uh, due process. And I know, you know, you are somebody who did a lot of reading before you went to prison, but um, also there. I wonder what you think about due process. I, you know, I know we could talk granularly about the different experiences that's happened to you and to others, but, you know, you're looking at this now with the perspective of having been through it. Um, and although you're not through it all there, you know, you got some probation and all you're, you're at least out and home. Um, how do you feel about our system and, and how the system works or isn't working? Well, Ed, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not classically trained in law, but, you know, I, I did do my best while I was locked up to, you know, read as much case law as I could. But I'll, I'll just say this. I think that January 6th or not, the federal system has really gotten far away from what I believe the founders intended when they framed the Bill of Rights. When it comes to, you know, just criminal justice in general, I think penology as a whole needs to be reformed. It's it's striking to me, though, that January 6th was used as a Trojan horse, I think, to really gut the Bill of Rights. Um, and so, you know, I mean, in terms of due process, I'm sure there's a million different definitions for due process. My understanding of due process, you know, ignoring the actual text of the Bill of Rights, the due process is basically proper process, the proper way in which criminal procedures are supposed to be done so that, you know, the accused have a fair shot. And that's just not the case when it comes to January 6th defendants. We can talk about the different procedures, the way things have been going. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know from being involved in all this how, how many times speedy trial clocks have been told, you know, how many times things that should have been included as evidence were not included at all. The amount of times evidence has been withheld from defendants. The amount of times when things that were prejudicial, you know, should not have been included, but were. In my eyes, it just seems like anything. It just seems like Murphy's Law, the judicial system. Anything that could have gone wrong or will go wrong has gone wrong and will go wrong. Every defendant I knew who actually fought their case has really gotten screwed. Part of my French. No one should have to go through this process the way it's being done. And I understand that there nobody has to like what happened on January 6th, but the justice system exists 
the justice system exists for the benefit of the accused just as much as the accusers, if not more. The reason we have a common law system like we do is (laughs) because we're so weary of judicial fiat or or the accusations of the state. And so I, I, every way, I mean, I'm just, I, I just posted something on my Twitter about this guy, Luke Coffey. I never met him, but from uh-huh. the video that I've seen, he didn't do anything. And he's being, yeah. in, he's in trial right now. And for what? For trying to stop people from fighting? For say, uh, saying a prayer? It, it just seems terrible. So we're talking with Tim Hale. And, and Tim, let me set this up a little bit also. I meant to do this. You, you were charged with all misdemeanors and one felony, the felony obstruction official proceeding. You did go to trial. And your background was, among other things, a civilian employee with the Navy, uh, which means you had to be checked out there and, and always, and no record, no previous record. Now, your background, you know, you come, a lot of us come from uh, all kinds of things. I, I think I know that your father is Puerto Rican. You've even got Jewish blood in your in your your history somewhere and yet you were before your trial you were tried in the in the media and you know some of it was stuff that was you but some of it was the need to make something that happened different you have to live with that in terms of your own life but it was so incredible to watch you know a, a caricature play out and i don't know how you how do you react to that and how, i mean when you say a regular process a normal person should not have to go through character assassination in the washington post before they go to trial not even like after oh he was a bad guy and that was what what was happening to you well, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, I, I, I'll be the first one to admit to admit that I, I, you know, I haven't always been a great person throughout my life. I'm, you know, I had a very rough upbringing. I have a very dark sense of humor, and frankly, you know, I was a, a wannabe actor or comedian. And so, you know, I, I kind of dug my own grave to some extent when it comes to, you know, saying horrible things to get a few chuckles out of five people. And, you know, ultimately they were able to portray me as a far right extremist. They were able to portray me as basically the reincarnation of, uh, you know, the, the fear. Unfortunately, right. that's part of that is my fault. But, you know, at the end of the day, being a jerk is not a crime. And I, I think I'm the tip of the iceberg, frankly. You know, you right. got to really think about how many people have had their entire lives turned upside down by the feds to portray them as something they're not. And, you know, again, you know, I, I always say this. I got off lucky compared to most because I'm a single unmarried man. And at the end of the day, I'll be able to rebuild my life, maybe not my reputation. But you got to think about all these other guys who are locked up, who have wives and kids, who oh, really yeah. Yeah. Not, not only the reputations, but, you know, think about how that think about how the slander impacts their families. Right. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to, to have grown up, you know, a very maybe we'll say a nihilistic introvert. But not everybody's like that. Not everybody can endure that kind of, you know, coverage. I was with well, a lot I, of guys. I saw it on their faces every day. It really yeah. wears on the soul. Well, and we're talking with uh, Tim Hale again. Uh, he is a January 6th survivor. Um, uh, three misdemeanors. One, the made-up felony, in my opinion, the 1512 obstruction official proceeding, and never been to jail in his life, never been in trouble in his life, and yet portrayed in all these things. You know, I hope 
I hope, Tim, that the standard is not to judge me on what I did five years ago or 15 years ago, that I'm a better man today than I was then. I know you and I have talked about the same thing. I mean, the idea that people can go and uh, in this day and age, uh, you know, go grab a little video or grab a photo of somebody five years ago. You know, a cautionary lesson to every kid that you ever my my own kids. I'll say, don't do it because they'll they'll come and get your video. you know, Tim, you mentioned that um, January 6th is the tip of the eye. No, you didn't say this. I'm mixing what you said. But you did say January 6th gave you an insight into the federal system breaking down, that it's just not operating the way it's supposed to be. Is it fair to say that the the problem is an imbalance of power in favor of the prosecutors. It, it feels to me like that's the most obvious abuse now that we can all say, whether you're a a, a three-time arrested drug uh, uh, possessor in New York City or you're a January 6th person, the prosecutors have a, have a stack deck through the judges and through the courts and everything else. Does that sound fair? I think that's fair. I think there's I think the whole system has, you know, to pardon the phrase, I think it's become incestuous. I think there's too much behind, you know, behind closed doors cooperation between the different branches. I think that we're just beyond the point of the justice system existing for justice rather than for checking boxes. I I think that um, there are all these different paradigms that are created through precedent. And over time, I think. I think new precedents and new precedents and new precedents have just allowed the Overton window to shift in terms of what is acceptable towards what is acceptable for defendants and what is acceptable for prosecution. Tim, unfortunately, I'm out of time. Thank you. And that, that's a great that last sentence. Um, you know, I'm glad you're both you're get, getting your voice heard and that you're out there because you've not only you probably had thought deeply about some of these subjects before you suffered through this. But now you're through the crucible. So uh, it's, uh, I think, a powerful uh, voice to lift. So we got to run, though, so I don't get in trouble. With my producer, uh, Tim Hale, Timothy, Timothy Hale. You can find him on X. Hey, uh, what's your handle on X, Tim? My handle is Tim Hale, criminally funny J Sixer. <laughs> All right, we'll track it down. I'll put up on social media. All right, we got to take a break, though, everybody. Be right back. Ed Martin, Pro America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. When the subject of homeschooling comes up, someone usually raises the question of socialization. Critics of homeschooling cannot deny that homeschooled students are every bit the academic equal of students who attend regular schools, so they shift to the assertion that education is more than academics and that proper socialization can take place only in a traditional school setting, preferably spending a lot of time with children in the same age group or grade. The McGraw-Hill Dictionary of Scientific and Technical Terms defines socialization as the process whereby each child learns to get along with and to behave similarly to other people in the group, largely through imitation as well as group pressure. 
The Dictionary of Cultural Literacy defines socialization as learning the customs, attitudes, and values of a social group, community, or culture. The common theme of various definitions of socialization is behavior that conforms to the group. The question for parents is, do you want your children to conform to the group? Most homeschooling parents want to prepare their children to think for themselves and to make wise decisions when they are on their own. They don't want their children socialized to become mindless robots for the current culture or to develop attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors that are not in their best interest. Homeschooling parents believe that homeschooling provides teens with positive role models to help them make better choices and to avoid the destructive behaviors so prevalent in the public schools. Homeschooling teaches them to resist peer pressure and mass media marketing of undesirable products and behaviors. Let's cheer the homeschoolers. They are doing just fine. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to the Pro-America Report here to wrap up the show. This is Ryan Height yet again stepping in to fill in for Mr. Ed Martin, who is out on assignment today. I wanted to leave you with just a final thought here in our wrap-up, our final uh, segment bringing us home. There is an incredibly important uh, concept that I believe we must take to heart. I kind of we're, we're piggybacking off of what I talked about at the beginning of the show, our uh, Wink segment, uh, which, like we said there, we dealt with both New Hampshire, the political results, the ramifications of Donald Trump's huge, uh, historic, I mean, that's an accurate to say, historic victory in New Hampshire, huge numbers, uh, huge uh, uh, interference from Democrat voters, at, by all appearances, coming in to vote for Nikki Haley in the open primaries. Uh, this and the Arizona story, the Republican chairman who has resigned now because of his literal bribery tape, uh, bribery caught on tape, trying to bribe Carrie Lake to get out of the Senate race. This leads me to something that's very interesting. As we look around the field and realize that in 2024 in America, um, our set of issues is different than it used to be. And I believe this is true of 2020 and 2016. But here's what I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to people who maybe haven't quite gotten there yet, haven't quite understood the field yet. I think there are a lot who do. And this term red-pilled keeps getting thrown around. I think, you know, you want to use that phrase or you want to use a little less of a charged phrase. Fine. There's this important point that I think all of us, especially as conservatives, need to understand that the battle in America is not what it used to be. This old matchup between um, liberal and conservative between big government and small government between and I mean big government you know we still use that phrase talking about the deep state the the permanent government but you know more spending or less spending a little bit more government involvement a little bit less government involvement we want to have a little bit more liberal social policies a little bit more conservative policy these things that you and I are so used to in American politics these are not the primary battle anymore the primary battle is against a permanent government a bureaucratic state that is enabled by its masters at the highest levels to persecute, 
everyday Americans, whether that means through um, inflationary policies that crush our economy, whether it's through hefty taxation or huge spending or uh, mandated items like we, we just did those, this last 15 years with the Affordable Care Act and that whole fight over mandated health care in America, whether it's an actual we will make you or we will figure out an underhanded way to do it, this growing behemoth of the administrative state is our number one fight in America. And I even know, and this is where you see people like the walkaway movement and a lot of the other gays against groomers, even liberals, people who are liberal on their social issues or on different things, the economic financial views different than me. They see this and say, whoa, 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 th- this is bad. These aren't liberal. Let everyone talk and love and, and this and that and the other. These people are authoritarians who say my agenda is me first. And if you don't agree with it, with me in power, I will shut you down. I don't care if you were one of my children chosen blocks or one of my you know the enemies that i've articulated for years you're out if you're not on board with the agenda that is the battle this battle against the authoritarianism the statism the supremacy of the state that so many people hold this is the left the modern left notice we use the distinction between the word liberal and left liberal meaning a little bit more you know liberal versus conservative on ideas leftist being this militant marxist state supremacist this is the battle that we are facing This is the battle that almost must be had before we can go back to arguing other policy points that are equally important, maybe of even greater moral clarity or moral conviction. But this is the battle that's in front of us. And we must pick our elections and our champions in the elections, our nominees of the parties. We must pick those people based on that battle. And this is where I think the argument is for so many conservatives, whether or not you like Trump, whether Trump is our first choice as the most moral looking candidate or this, it's irrelevant. If Trump is the prime person who will come in and try to bring a sledgehammer to the system, to the administrative state, to the deep state that has so grown and in, in incestuously just solidified themselves into the laurels of power in American government, then that's the man that we need to put back in office. Uh, Carrie Lake, that's the woman we need to put into the Senate. That's the kind of people that we need to be supporting, and that's why, because this is our primary fight. So here's what I want you to take away, and, and maybe we could make this a, a window, the what you need to do. What we need to do this year, we already know that they're willing to cheat and tinker and interfere, whether it's late night stuff with ballots uh, suddenly stopping counting or this or that or the other, or whether it's the plain and simple interference of Democrats hopping over in an open primary or the interference of trying to take Trump off of the ballot for crimes that he hasn't even been convicted of, let alone tried for, uh, let alone if they actually even fit with the Constitution, all the arguments, and yet we're trying to remove him from the ballot. All of these things, all of these interferences, we know that they're coming and even in even greater numbers than we've seen. Here's the way we beat it. We must get out every single vote on the right side of the spectrum, on the middle of the spectrum, in the moderates, even in the liberals who see that this is a bad system. Even if they want different things than we do in this country, surely none of us want an all-controlling, all-powerful government that silences anyone the moment they become useless to the regime. We must get every single one of those voters to the polls to overwhelmingly vote for the pro-America, pro-liberty, pro-freedom candidates, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, the basics, not just freedom to be conservative or freedom to this or that or the other or agree. The basics are under attack. And if we get every single person to the polls to vote for the Donald Trumps and the Kerry Lakes this year, we can quite possibly, and I hope, God willing, surmount a huge, uh, a huge margin of victory.
that is unimpeachable, even with interference, with fraud, with tinkering, with with all of the problems that we saw come from 2020 forward to now, whether it's inside the elections or outside of them, we must have an unimpeachable, overwhelming majority or they will take it away. They will find a way. We must get everyone. We cannot have people sitting out this election. It is a get out the vote like we've never had before. That's how we win. And I think we can win. So that's what I want to say. That's the, what you need to do. Everyone has to get out, and you and I can do that. Get everyone there. We cannot have people sitting this out if they are on the right side or the freedom side of the spectrum. So that's what I have to say. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us on another great edition of the Pro-America Report. I hope you come back here tomorrow. And in the meantime, head to ProAmericaReport.com, head to PhyllisSchlafly.com, pick up the podcast, the standalones, and all the articles, and we will see you back here tomorrow on the Pro-America Report. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com